0: street, but one man has seen enough. He's Lieutenant Frank Drebin. Whatever scum did this, not one man of
1: on this force will rest for one minute and leave behind bars. Now let's grab a bite, team.
0: He's a good cop who's having a bad day. His best friend. Oh,
2: everyone should have a friend like you.
0: Is in a coma.
1: As soon as Nordberg is better. He's welcome back at Police Squad. But I wouldn't wait until the last minute to fill out those organ donor cards. Ah!
0: His girlfriend Ah! asked him to look her up. Nice beaver.
2: Thank you. I just had it stuffed.
0: Let me help you with that. And his city is in the hands of a master criminal with a sinister plan. I must kill the queen. (gasps) Yeah. How can any police story contain this much action? This much romance. I like cops Or this much baseball. Starring Leslie Nielsen, a cop who's always on the alert. Mikhail Gorbachev. I'm Queen Elizabeth, everyone's favorite queen. Priscilla Presley, a woman who really cooks.
2: How hot and wet do you like it?
0: Ricardo Montalban. Frank! You're both right. George Kennedy, the partner with an appetite for danger. O.J. Simpson, as you've never seen him before. And Reggie Jackson in his first dramatic role. In a movie so big, it had to be filmed in color. The Naked Gun, from the files of Police Squad. See you then. Washington, D.C., where violence explodes every day. But America's toughest cop is pounding a new beat. Lieutenant Dredd. The police squad is back.
3: Is this some kind of bust?
0: Very impressive, yeah. They're
1: ready for action. How you doing, Trooper? Ready for love. I'm lonely, I'm lost, I need someone to hold
0: to love.
2: Frank, over here.
0: And ready. For seconds, in the movie that proves, you can lead a cop to water, but you can't make him think.
1: The water's over there, Frank.
0: Starring Leslie Nielsen.
1: I don't recall seeing your name on the guest list. Nothing to be embarrassed about. I sometimes go by my maiden name. If it's not dangerous,
0: he's not interested. Priscilla Presley as the irrepressible Jane. Robert Goulet as Quentin Hapsburg. The truth hurts, doesn't it, Hapsburg? Oh, sure.
1: Maybe not as much as jumping on a bicycle with a seat missing, but it hurts.
0: George Kennedy
1: as Captain Ed Hawken. Congratulations. I understand that Ed is pregnant again.
0: Yes, and if I catch the guy who did it... And O.J. Simpson as Nordberg. Oh, <laughs> step <on it. laughs> If you only see one movie this year, you ought to get out more often. The Naked Gun 2 and a Half. The Smell of Fear. I mean, the strongest thing you got. This is a sequel so big, they had to add another half.
4: okay welcome to movie night extravaganza episode 22 already um naked gun two and a half smell of fear i am joined uh as per usual by my co-host jay andrew world of course you know back from his little uh you know one episode hiatus yes
5: Um, (laughs) yeah well that's so i could film my my other show
4: (laughs) yeah (laughs) and of course we're joined by natalie shore finally who is a writer and researcher who writes about health policy and politics for outlets across the web, including Jacobin, The Nation, The New Republic, and BuzzFeed, and uh, was also the head of research for Adam Ruins Everything, which I think makes it, makes you uniquely qualified to talk about, you know, um, comedy and and you know, like movies, movies like The Naked Gun. I guess. I mean, um,
3: yeah. I don't think I'd be allowed on this show if I didn't have impeccable credentials. So
4: true. <laughs> this is a. This is a. Um, this is a very serious uh, broadcast that we have going on here.
5: Wait, um, what show are we're doing today?
4: <laughs> because, because
5: my show is the one where I bring on people with serious credentials.
4: Oh uh, yeah, all right, and then
5: make them watch horrible things. <laughs>
4: yeah, but this isn't a horrible thing. This movie is, you know, pretty funny. It's, a joy. it's a joy. Oh yeah, these are these are very good movies. <laughs> so we had um we had Anders Leon last week, and we kind of went into like this pretty serious uh, deep dive about the Reagan era and um, and Leslie Nielsen as kind of a, a Reagan corollary in some sense um, in this movie as Frank Drebin. And that was not the direction that I thought we were going to go with that conversation, but it ended up being really interesting. I think this one is a, a little bit more politically progressive. Um, I mean, obviously <laughs> there's the environmentalist overtones to a lot of it, which, you know, are pretty hilarious. But there's also, at least I noticed, um, you know, watching it now, um, there seems to be, like, a, a burnout with, like, the Reagan-Bush era that occurs uh, that, with, like, David Zucker and, and whoever else is, is writing it. And it seems also, like, a frustration that, like, the Democrats can't come up with a, a candidate that can beat, like, the Reagan candidate. So that's, like, an interesting um... – uh,
5: Okay, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm getting flashbacks right. from last night because because we were just talking about this on my show. <laughs> uh, but apologies. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to step on you there. No, no that's Okay. Sorry.
3: Um, um, yeah, I th- there were a few jokes about the Democratic Party. I mean, there's the opener with the Bushes. It's not really like a dig at the Bushes. You know, the big joke is that Barbara Bush is super clumsy and keeps falling down and getting bumped. And it's funny physical yeah. comedy, but it's not necessarily political. But then um, at one point, Frank goes to the Blues Bar. And the wall on the Blues Bar has like super sad like photos of super sad world events like the sinking of the titanic the hindenburg and then there was a picture of just a guy and i was like who is this guy so i googled it and it was michael the
4: yeah who's the who challenged uh, reagan the first time there's also uh, no, a couple
0: yeah so yeah
4: because i i remember um i remember driving um i, I worked at woodstock film festival and, um, I remember that we saw this truck on the side of the road that had like 88 election stickers still on it. It was like some guy had their like pickup truck parked that still had like a, okay. sticker, a sticker on it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so there's that, but then there's also these like comments that they make throughout it where at the end of the movie, um, Leslie Nielsen, like Frank drevin standing up there and he says, I dream that one day the Democrats will, uh. You know, nominate somebody worth voting for, and then there's that awkward moment where, like, the Bushes realize they shouldn't be clapping for that. Yeah, then, there's
3: also a joke like, you know, something's over, just like the Democratic Party. I forget yeah. what the thing was that was for the <laughs> beginning. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting, and then there's you know, obviously the the main story is uh, oil, gas, and coal magnates. Um, you know, try to hire a replacement for this environmental policy guy, like this guy who's giving a speech about environmental policy, which is almost politically naive. I don't know. Um, Not that this was actually trying to be a very political movie, but obviously the more expedient thing to do in their position instead of spending a million dollars on a body double to give a fake speech would be to just deposit that million dollars into the coffers of
4: a few politicians, and including, sure including he- Bush senior, like famously, you know, I mean, guy with oil interests, Bush senior, like, um, and they yeah. kind of make that joke a bunch of times in the movie, like Bush kind of being like very wary about wanting to even make an energy policy that isn't completely dependent on um, like fossil fuels. And um, and there's there's like some weird um, the guy that they hire is uh, is originally it was working for Jesse Helms, which is which is the joke. Yes. They, um, which is like hilarious.
3: The,
5: the,
1: yeah. The far, arts, yeah. Uh, yeah. Director, the art director
3: for Jesse
5: Holmes. And I looked that joke up. Too.
3: Oh, yeah, That's oh, so weird. Um,
5: yeah. Because Jesse Helms famously went after arts funding nationally. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, which is hilarious. Um, there, there's a great painting. Um, and I highly recommend everybody look this up. It's called Piss Helms. And it's just this picture of a guy standing there and he's peeing on Jesse Helms's head. That's all the picture is (laughs) because, because Jesse Helms got all triggered about uh, the Piss Christ where, where somebody took a uh, plastic crucifix. The whole thing was like, like how disposable Christianity was becoming and he placed it in a bottle of piss and took this gorgeous photo. And it's, it's, I mean, that is a work of art and it says a lot about, you know, uh, society and whatnot. And Jesse Helms was furious about it because he thought it was disrespecting jesus and um you know so somebody decided to disrespect him
3: i feel like right right wingers don't get mad at art anymore like that's too high you know they obviously get mad at cultural products they won the war yeah Well, well i also think like the art world specific you know in terms of like neh grants that helms was talking about is I I don't know, like, like such a specific corner of the universe that it's not really even something discussed prominently in like liberal circles.
5: Yeah. It it was a big deal in the eighties. I remember that as a kid. Um, Cause, cause uh, I always wanted to be an artist. So, um, you know, growing up like, like, you know, I'd see that, you know, they talk about art on the news and I'm like, I don't understand what's going on. Cause I'm like, you know, what uh, like, you know, 11 at the time when some of this stuff's going on you know like like I have a deep understanding of of, um, arts funding and what's going on because I'm also like at the same time um, raised in a very deeply Christian household so um, I was making arguments that in the 88 election like we should vote for George Bush because he's got the most experience. I
4: thought you were going to say because the liver spots in his head kind of look like art (laughs) No It's pointillism No, so um, I, I guess another interesting thing that we've talked about a bunch recently is uh, the CIA kind of doing a lot of um, arts and, and literary funding, um, like including like very progressive, um, very progressive publications, like even like the nation kind of getting a little bit of, like CIA funding during certain parts of um, of like the 60s and 70s and 50, like that whole era. So it's interesting that, that Reagan and and it's kind of like they didn't even need that stop like that part of the the cold war anymore you know what i mean like they could go after the arts funding um yeah just slash it to smithereens
3: yeah i mean it was interesting reading about it in retrospect but it did highlight for me how extremely topical jokes like that in movies just don't have much staying power power because like you know i know who jesse helms is but i had to look up what the arts reference was and feel like I learned something, but, you know, you're not supposed to make someone want to Google a joke.
4: <laughs> well, I mean, at the time they didn't even have Google, so I don't know. They'd have to look it up in like Encyclopedia Britannica. Call a public yeah.
3: library.
5: Yeah, go to the public library and watch like the, the um, you know, go through the <laughs> newspaper on those, those reels, which which I remember learning how to do as a kid. Yeah. My big,
3: my big association with Jesse Helms is there was a really famous ACT UP protest outside of his home. ACT UP was, you know, the group that did a lot of organizing in the early days of the AIDS crisis. And he was constantly disparaging uh, gays and lesbians and talking about how AIDS was basically sent by God to punish sinners. You know, that kind of, not like verbatim, but that being the subtext. There was a big protest where they went to his house and put like an enormous condom on it.
5: (laughs) They got it from the Naked Gun 1. (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah
3: i mean i i I don't know if that was
4: a reference to the act up protest but you know
3: a massive house-sized condom
4: well it seems like the the first naked gun is kind of fairly reactionary in in the way that like they they tackle a lot of things like obviously there's the opening scene where it's like all of america's enemies sitting at at, like the Mm -hmm. table and we talked about it last week like it's the it's the moment when the cold war meets with like middle east conflict you know what i mean so they have yeah. like so it's like all of the leaders you know like yasser arafat and like um ayatollah Khomeini, like all of these different um like middle eastern leaders meeting with gorbachev and the the creepy um pap smear guy that comes in, in the third movie as well um <laughs> like at, at that table and it's like this this strange moment where you know frank drevin as kind of as we talked about, like the Reagan corollary is coming in there to like, you know, beat up all of these different world leaders and show them like America's dominance. And obviously he's also ridiculous because he gets hit in the head and falls off the building and stuff. But, you know, yeah. he comes out and they're like, oh, like you did a great job in Beirut. Like it's this, whole, you know, so it seems like like that it's a lot more reactionary um, in the way that they tackle things in the first one. And then by the second one, it seems like they're kind of over that whole era. And now they're kind of focused on environmentalism and, you know, how uh, the Republican Party is getting in the way of that. Because also when, uh, when the guy's giving the speech, Dr. Meinheimer is giving the speech at the end of the movie, they have like the environmentalist funding and it's like Carter with like the money up here and then uh, Reagan and Bush, like with the, you know, the environmental policy funding uh, on that chart. Mm-hmm. And they also have that great joke in the intro where it's like, you know, uh or like the smoke, kaboom! Like every like all of the initials lead up to yeah. that, like, go wrong with the the most like you know devastating fossil fuel and uh, uh, new nu- nuclear and like you know all like like all of these different um, energy sources that are like really toxic for the environment. So it seems like it's a lot more. And they, you know my favorite joke in the entire series is um when uh when when Frank Drevin turns to um turns to Jane and he's like you were trying to save the end zone layer. And she's like ozone layer. <laughs> yeah, she changes jobs each movie, pretty
3: unaccountably. The first movie, she's the assistant to um, I don't know one of the guys in the crime ring. I forget. Second, she's like just a, an environmentalist policy person out of nowhere. And in the third one, she's a prosecutor yeah. working on like a child support case in the beginning.
4: Well, I mean, you know, as you as you do throughout the. Uh throughout you know the the 80s through through 90s you know you become a prosecutor that's what everybody was doing no the first one she's like the assistant to carlos montalban um yeah. so like ricardo oh you know, ricardo wow ricardo Mon- why do i always say why do i always get this ricardo montalban is the first um yeah
5: I, i'm the, not looking forward to our star trek 2 episode <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah
4: um no so she's ricardo montalban's um I'm surprised I, I can even say Mosselbon. Like I, I, feel like I would mess that up for more than I'd mess up his, his first name. But um, yeah. So then she moves to being like the the environmentalist person, which they never they never make any reference to that in the first one. Uh, yeah, you know. I I don't remember anything along those lines. And
3: I think that you're right about the political evolution from the first movie to the second movie. I actually thought the third movie was the most right wing politically. And i say that because i think so that one came out in 94 we were talking about before you know they premiered it i think like less than three months before oj killed uh or allegedly killed nicole brown and um ron goldman uh but it's also you know this like very, uh, like you can feel the crime hysteria and mass incarceration kind of start to happen. I don't know, there's a lot more like, obviously the whole trilogy is about cops and I don't think that the politics of any of them are perfect, but the third one, I felt like, I don't know, just really drills, like it's it's a little less silly, a little less or a little more like dialing up the uh, hysteria about, you know, bad dudes needing to be locked up. There's like a really bad prison rape joke when yeah. Frank is going undercover at the prison. Things like that. And so I think that that one definitely felt the most right-wing to me.
5: Well, yeah. Since I, mean, I just had a conversation with uh, Bronco I'll uh, me- oh, see if I can say, get his name right. Me- uh, me- me- Mekovic? No, Mekovic. Oh, Bronco Mekovic. March oh, yeah. Mar- Mar- Teach. yes. Yes. There we go. I think yeah, that's how he had me say it. Anyway, <laughs> oh, God, I am embarrassed because I, I tried all day yesterday, failed, he taught me, and then I forgot. Uh, so, so anyways, but no, Bronco was on my show last night. We we're talking uh, primary colors. So I literally just went through all of the 92 um, uh, election like yesterday, like getting myself geared up for the show um and, and so i have this all very fresh in my mind uh cuz uh you know there was there was a um at, uh, after the gulf war there was a big recession and bush was trying to get us out of that recession and people were getting very you know people were very tired of uh after you know 12 years of republican rule so it was it was kind of in the zeitgeist that we you know it was going to head that way and then clinton comes in and clinton really wasn't that great i mean clinton you know had a very weak start much like um uh, thank you Kenzo <laughs> I, like, I, like, um, I
4: like Kenzo's explanation remembers it was because I love marching and teaching
5: I should just think about Later. Kenzo whenever I say that then <laughs> um, but but anyways uh, the um, uh, you know so, so the zeitgeist leading up to the, that election was very against uh, the Republicans because because you know how it is like, like even uh is probably like the, like a very similar moment where like people were exhausted with the Republican party. And it was inevitable mm-hmm. whoever, whoever got the uh, Democratic t- uh, ticket was going to win. And, and uh, so, so that was that moment. But then like uh, uh, Clinton really didn't deliver anything. And then 94 uh, was the uh, Newt Gingrich era, like, like whenever he became Speaker of the House and they mm-hmm. took over. Um, and you know, there was the contract on America and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, it was contract on America, right? Uh,
3: for America, yeah, it
5: was like ninety-four, <laughs> the the Republican Revolution. Yeah, but but it was like the, these these far right crazies, uh, like Newt Gingrich and um, mm-hmm. the guy on MSNBC in the mornings. Um, I can't remember his name, Joe something.
4: Oh, the Joe the Joe and Micah guy, uh, Joe. Oh, Scarborough, Scarborough, yeah,
5: yeah. But yeah, uh, the, the, like like this, the, there was like these these crazy far right Republicans like that you know, swept into He's power. really been
4: able to, he's really been able to rebrand. Like, yeah, his, his, yeah. I don't, yeah. I can't think of anyone that's been able to rebrand that successfully.
3: No. <laughs> I don't think I realized that he was even part of that history because I didn't know the answer at first.
5: Yeah, no, no. Uh, Joe, Joe Scarborough was was like, um, if you go back and like, look at like stuff he was for in the 90s, it's horrific. Um, you know, he was, he was kind of out of that Jesse Helms milieu. Um, but but uh, you know he was connected with the uh the Newt Gingrich era republicans uh very, very much so and was very anti-clinton um and then lost his election because i guess it was like a purple seat he was in um okay. and then went on uh M- MSNBC and kind of like kept rebranding himself as the channel kept rebranding itself because was mm-hmm. yeah. he was, for, he was um, also
4: pretty pro um <laughs> he, was pro, he was he was pretty pro bush right like bush jr i mean yeah um, yeah the Iraq war like he was he was He was kind of ginning up that um, like the reaction to, uh, you know, the post 9-11 Middle East uh, wars that we got involved in. Because I I remember I remember he's had to kind of explain that throughout the Trump era every time um, he kind of, you know, attacked attacked Trump or something. And he kind of went with the like, oh, I was one of the reasonable Republicans at the time. Okay. Um, yeah. (laughs) Which, you know, I mean, that's kind of that's kind of what. I mean, that's kind of the most successful way, I think, to, to you know, rebrand yourself in that specific, like, I feel like a lot of people got away with, um, a lot of former neocons got away with, like, you know, using that, like, using Trump as kind of a get out of jail card. If, like, as long as they oppose Trump, everyone's like, well, you know, this is a different kind of former Republican than the ones we have now, which is ironic, obviously, because Trump is like, you know, I mean, not a lifelong Democrat, but was like, you know, throughout the Clinton era, like, Trump was on the Clinton side of the. Clinton, uh, like Newt Gingrich, most divide. of it. Because yeah. remember, he ran yeah. for
5: president uh, uh, as part of the um, uh, Reform Party in 2000. Yeah,
4: but he with, only with, he uh, ran he ran for president in 2000 because Pat Buchanan was running, and he wanted to be David like the, yeah, and he wanted to be like the non-racist um, Reform Party, like not well not, but like he wanted to be like he wanted to be like oh well you know that's the far right, and like we're gonna take the Reform Party back. We can't let you know people like Buchanan yeah. get it
5: did uh did did um uh ross perot talk him into running
4: i i don't remember if it was ross perot specifically but i i yeah like the the people running the reform party wanted to turn it into a, a viable which it never was but like they wanted to turn it into a, a viable um like third party which they never stood for anything to start with you know what i mean it was just like ross perot's vehicle yeah but, it was like um, it was like
5: empty rhetoric it, it was um uh it was good rhetoric you know don't get me wrong like uh, you know watching him uh talk like like you know, that giant sucking sound in D.C. Um, you know, I'm all I'm all for like, uh, you know, the, the you know, some of that rhetoric um, and the fact that he gave Bernie Sanders a sword, like, you know, motherfucker gave Bernie Sanders a sword, which he has in his office in D.C. And, and uh, you could there's a YouTube video somewhere where, you know, he's like, you know, Bernie Sanders is like, and here's the sword that Ross Perot gave me. <laughs> I was not aware of that.
4: Yeah, I wasn't either. That's- yeah.
5: There you go. Fun fact. Ross Perot <laughs> gave Bernie Sanders a sword.
4: Okay. but it's not i mean it's not hard to sound good running against congress and running against you know like like established politicians which i mean i, I think clinton kind of was too at times because you know yeah, he was clinton kind of just
5: because I, I i've also been was watching the debates uh you know running up to it because because even though this this the movie we watched was about the primary i watched a lot more than i needed to and um uh like the debates like like um you know bush like like they they showed this one question in this uh this video i was watching where, where um first thing bush did was check his watch as the person starts talking so you know not not good body language to start with
4: yeah no and, he got he got absolutely destroyed for that
5: yeah and if you if you actually listen to his answer it wasn't terrible because you know you got to do the two things like watch and listen and you got to kind of divorce them uh as, as uh the 1960 election taught us all and, and so his answer was not terrible but his body language was awful just purely awful ross perot gave you know uh his broiler plate you know like I grew up near Arkansas and and, and um, you know, it's, it's always been a bad place. And, and I don't think, I don't think, you know, we should have that for, you know, he's, he's, he's kind of running against both of them and, and it, he wasn't bad either. And then Bill Clinton walked out away from both of them up to like, right up to the, the audience there. And just kind of like leaned in. He's like, I hear your problems. Um, and, and, and like, you know, it seemed like he was, you know, genuinely like engaging with it. So there. There was this big difference between um uh the three of them where, you know, uh, you know, watching watching this. And, and uh so so because of that, I think that zeitgeist of the that uh, of this era, um oh wait. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I should you tell can, the story about how you I got to see the,
4: you can see the, the zeitgeist kind of forming in Naked Gun two and a half when he makes the joke in the beginning, when they say, you know, um, this is your thou- like his thousandth drug dealer killed. Yeah, and everyone starts applauding and he's like and he's like, well, I have to tell you, like, you know, um, I hit the last two with my car, but, you know, I only found out after the fact. Thank God they were drug dealers. And you hear it <laughs> again at the end when he's like, I used to love more than anything, you know, blowing a suspect that was fleeing away with my 45. I mean, who wouldn't? like which which yeah. is con- which is like you know the cop bluster that you're you're hearing from the naked gun but you can see it get more pointed at certain times and- yeah and
3: then i think it does it culminates in the third and there's also like a scene where when they're escaping from jail they're climbing up a tunnel and like get out at an LA high school and like everyone has guns there it's basically like implying that everyone is a gang member and they have to like run through the parking lot so it's definitely like uh, taking taking a more right-wing stance uh by or whenever the script is written. What's
5: that? <laughs> they were super predators. Remember <laughs> like like just like Hillary Clinton told us. And I think <laughs> Joe Biden too.
4: Yeah, Joe Biden said something very similar. Um I, I don't yeah, remember I which do. episode of uh I don't remember which which epi- like toward, towards the beginning of um the the Biden uh like the, the the Biden administration, I guess I ended up doing a deep dive on give them an argument, and we did it on um, the Biden crime bill. So I I remember watching yeah. like hours and hours and hours of footage on that. Um, all right, so getting into the OJ part of this, um, this is the <laughs> this is the clip of uh of of Leslie Nielsen responding to finding out that or we asked a question about OJ Simpson and and like I yeah. I don't know we watched this last week and he's kind of. He's very taken aback, not ready to answer this question. It seems like I would assume that they probably told everybody not to ask OJ questions in the first like in the Naked Gun 3 press run, but by the time it's like spy hard, I think I think we figured out it was ninety six, right? That that came out in ninety seven. Right. Yeah. I forgot about that movie. Yeah. So this is this is uh listen, listen being surprised by an OJ question.
0: so odd with you because I, I see you and I start to laugh. <laughs> You're not funny looking, but I mean, it's just that I see you and I have such good feelings from things that I've seen. I start laughing. I yeah. did it the other day when you came in the room where I, I thought of Drebin and I started yeah, laughing. I mean, this is,
1: but this is what happens with that, that humor. There seems to be an affection that travels with the humor. I think it's because Drebin is totally non-threatening and pursues his life as though he's the Mike Tyson of the police department. Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody can oppose him.
0: He's oblivious. And he's to totally
1: consummate mm-hmm. obliviousness. That's it. And there, that is what seems to happen with the but
0: character. But what is weird watching Naked Gun? I just watched another one the other night. And it had to be strange for you is this whole O.J. thing. It must be strange. I mean, it must be really well, weird.
1: it's sad. Uh, it, it, it's not, you know, it, it is strange, you know, it is, and it's very unusual, it's very but, unreal, huh? It's yeah, very unreal. Isn't but uh, it? yeah, um, I, there are no winners, and there were you shocked too, when you
0: found out about when you? I uh, was at Chase to, Day or wherever you were yeah. when you saw that. Could you believe that it was real?
1: Well, the man I had worked with in uh, Naked Gun was charming and witty, and uh, there was nothing ever that would indicate in any way that he could possibly be uh, uh, the person who would do that kind of thing so you know so here he is all of a sudden accused of and on trial and it just uh, i suppose anybody can stamp but uh, i never saw that person
0: yeah that had to be it, strange for the people who had really worked with him and been around him it must be very odd
1: yeah i just you know would I just would like him to stand up and and tell me mm-hmm. but so far i've had nothing that uh, for me as a as one of his compatriots in uh, Nick again nothing uh, I've had no answers, you know, and uh, it's very difficult uh, because, uh, well, I mean, O.J. is not in that position today. There are many, many people who don't agree with his liberty at this stage. So that's something, who knows, uh, maybe there will never be any answer for anybody, or maybe the answer has always been in front of us. It will, but it would be nice to know something. Hmm.
4: It's so awkward. It's just ridiculously <laughs> awkward. He's like he's like, "You know, you're a funny guy. You make me laugh, you know?" I see you and he's I just like, start laughing. He's like, "Yeah." And he's like, "So, uh, what about OJ?" Huh? Do you want Yeah, it wasn't a very well-constructed question. Um
3: I was I was curious how he'd answer. I mean, I don't know what you really can say. I don't blame him for saying, you know, yeah, I had no indication like he didn't act that way on set. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people feel that way when someone in their life does a horrible thing. Uh, you know, I, I think he probably felt awkward after that and just rambled for longer than he had to.
4: Yeah. No, this, I think that definitely is what happened. But, I mean, I don't know. I, like, yeah, and you definitely have to, when there's, like, a question about, I guess, somebody's guilt also, you know what I mean? Like, because it's, like, OJ getting acquitted kind of, make, like, throws a wrench in the whole thing. You know what I mean? Like, because if, if he'd gotten... If he if he had gotten sentenced and like that was it, you could at least be like, all right, well, you know, the guy's kind of a scumbag. But like, if he's kind of out and acquitted, it's like, what what are you really going to say at that point? Yeah,
5: I, I mean, it's this hard argument because like like legally speaking, like he's already he they already threw their best argument at him and he got away with it, uh, you know, if he did it. But you know, he he's he was found innocent at the time, so uh, legally speaking, like you know, there's nothing else we could really. do do or say about it um you know they they created that doubt and that's what the legal definition is and that's you know uh good for things like uh you know people who who are actually innocent um but however you know it it cuts both ways um unfortunately
4: yeah Um, well it's it's also you know um a a case with like pretty large political implications you know what i mean like two years after the rodney king verdict like there's definitely like the question of you know if if oj if oj is found guilty and there's a reasonable doubt raid like like raised like is is that going to end up with like riots in la so it's a you know so it's like the fact that it's incredibly politically and racially charged makes it like even more um even more of an awkward question probably like to answer
3: Another thing kind of about the OJ trial that I read when I was reading some IMDb pages for these movies is the woman who played Nordberg's wife, who's hysterically crying in the hospital scene in the first movie, ended up playing a juror in American Crime Story that was just made in 2016.
5: Oh, that's great. Yeah. (laughs) Well, she's not biased at all. I feel like if you tracked that woman
3: down, she'd probably have some like interesting insights or stories.
5: I I was looking at uh, the guy who played the president in part two, and uh, he played the president and and some dramas. Um, So so now I'm like I'm like okay, I had no interest in watching this drama, but now I want to see the guy who played George Bush in the movie. (laughs) Yeah, the woman
3: who played uh, Queen Elizabeth in the first one, I guess, was a lifelong Queen Elizabeth impersonator. Yeah. Happens to look a lot like her. In terms of celebrity cameos in the movies, I think, you know, OJ Simpson does a good job. He's got like a pretty small role that's mostly like goofy physical comedy. Uh, you know, Anna Cole Smith is fine. In general, they seem to have this like casting instinct where they want to get people who don't really act but are still big names, kind of as a gimmick. It's probably like low budget and also gets people to see things. But I have to say, I feel like people don't give. Priscilla Presley, her do in these movies. She's like really funny, has really good comic timing.
4: Yeah, um, there's all right. So I have a I have a clip of her getting interviewed by. Um, I pull I pull a lot of clips when I do these episodes. Yeah, I have a clip of her getting very flirtily. Um, they have like they have some crazy sexual chemistry. Her and Arsenio Hall, um, and she's kind of explaining the process of uh, of of like I don't know. It's, it's interesting because I I did a lot of research like um, when I was planning these out into how they like plan to shoot these and they choose a lot of these cameos and like these, you know, they choose people that are not comedians, which is really interesting, like mm-hmm. for all of these movies. So they pick people that aren't comedians because they're not going to try to out funny anybody else. And they're not going to try, like, they, they want to do like a serious, they want everyone to act seriously and then they're going to add the, the joke. So it's. Yeah. Really,
3: the lines are so silly that they want people
4: to play it straight. Yeah. So this is, this is her, this is part of her Arsenio Hall uh, interview. Um, let's talk about comedy, because when you first did Naked Gun, I mean, I only knew you as a serious actress. And I was shocked that they
5: chose you. Uh, you remember getting that call?
2: I do. I, I do. I was shocked I got it, too, actually. <laughs> <laughs> what happened was I went in on the interview, and uh, um, I saw these serious guys sitting around the table. I walked in, and they started asking me all kinds of questions. When you go in on, on interviews and readings, they'll start asking you questions. And one of the questions was... Uh, have you ever done comedy before? And in all of us, there's this little thing God, if I lie and say I've done it, you know, I'll get the part. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't come, you know, and say, yes, I've done comedy. So I said, no, I've never done comedy. So the guys just said, well, thank you very much. Nice meeting you. I walked out. And never thought about it again, thought I never got the role. A week later they said, You got it. And one of the reasons was is because I've never done comedy before. You know, the Zookers are crazy. I mean you get two people, look at Leslie Nielsen, he mm-hmm. looks so serious, and you all the drama that he's done in his life, you know, and mine, and you put two of us together and for some reason it works, you know, it really does work.
4: Yeah. And I think the brand of humor that the Zookers do, uh, works better if you approach it seriously right. as opposed to trying to make it funny.
2: Not playing it that well, when, on the first Naked Gun, that's exactly what I did. I, I thought maybe I should play the comedy, and be funny. And that's exactly what they didn't want. You know, they wanted it to just come out and and look like it was uh, an everyday thing. You know, I'm mostly me, you know, I play the kind of the serious one, and except for a couple of things in, the, in there that's uh, a little comedic. But, uh, um, they want me to play serious, and for some reason, it just runs smoothly. The jokes play itself, and Leslie, of course, playing op- opposite him, he is just looking at him, cracks me up. It takes us about four takes to do it. I'm I'm on the floor laughing, and uh, it's hard to get a, a serious, uh, you know, scene out yeah. facing him.
4: Are you like the character that you play in the movie in real life?
2: Of Jane Spencer? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. I couldn't put up with Jane too long, I don't think. And she just goes along, you know, like everyday life I'm much more uh, neurotic I think um, but she's just slips through it you know effortlessly just uh, everything happens you know like this every day of her life
4: so, you're neurotic
2: well I don't mean neurotic I mean you know I'm I have a lot more energy you know I'm just uh, all the time I'm on the go so I don't, I don't think so yeah,
4: yeah. Uh, we should take a commercial and we'll come right back and talk more
5: okay I'm totally distracted by her hair um, I'm assuming yeah. that's a wig. But but did she have like a bob with a mullet? Like did yeah, she go in there I and mean, go I like have... I want to look like a flapper and Billy Ray Cyrus?
4: <laughs>
3: it was, it was like the opposite of an undercut. Now people kind of like, you know, shave, they give themselves a buzz on the underside and have long hair on top. And it seemed like she had kind of some long hair below and some shorter hair on top. I thought they might have been like weird dangly earrings at first, but I think it was a haircut. I, I think oh,
5: she had like she was wearing a wig and that was like her real hair in the back. I feel like it was intentional. I don't. I don't think it was like
3: an accidental thing. It's just the colors. She was. Uh, well.
4: She was auditioning to be Joe Dirt. You know. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't know yeah. she had ever done drama. I mean, they. You know, they said like, "Oh, you've done drama." I was like, "I don't know." I thought that she was only Elvis Presley's wife. I guess I'm a total sexist.
4: She. I, I guess. She so, earlier in that interview, he's talking about how she was on the show Dallas. So I guess she had like a recurring role, which I've, I've never watched that show. But yeah. it seems like she had a recurring role on Dallas, which is like, you know, drama slash daytime TV. And she was kind of on that for a while before they, they it? a prime it. time. Yeah.
5: Dallas was a prime time uh, soap.
4: Yeah. Okay. So it seems like that's that's what he's referring to. But I don't know the that interview, like that part of it wasn't as flirty. But like there's like 20 minutes before that of Arsenio Hall and her just like full on uh. With, with the full chemistry going on. That's like it a whole a- thing in,
3: you know, 80s and 90s talk show, I mean, into the 2000s, where like the host would flirt with the woman guest.
4: Yeah, but like a lot of times, like, I don't know, like, I feel like it, it kind of, uh, the zenith of it is like Conan, who would make it very awkward. Like, he would be very yeah. bad at, at that flirting. Or like, David Letterman, too, would be like very bad at that flirting. I think I don't know on purpose or not. Or like I don't know if they were just awkward and then they would make it more awkward. But like it seems like Arsenio kind of is, is doing it for real. Oh,
5: Arsenio was always flirting with everybody. Like I remember they had like uh, uh Jim Henson on an episode and they, they brought out Kevin Clash to be Elmo and um, uh, they flirting with Elmo. Him. And like yeah, he's just like, like <laughs> Elmo. You know what are you what are you doing later, Elmo? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like Elmo no, have no eyelids and it was just weird.
4: <laughs> Jesus Christ. No, to, it, wasn't that weird, but it was
5: uh but but, but there was a weird chemistry between Elmo and Arsenio Hall like maybe maybe he, maybe
4: he just has like heavy sexual chemistry with everybody yeah. that he talks yeah, to.
5: Like Kevin Schwarzenegger. He's just always like talk about Schwarzenegger so your body and uh he's like <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
4: <laughs> but it seems like there's like 15 minutes at the beginning of his, or I don't know, like, cause it's a very long interview. And it seems like there's like quite a few minutes at the beginning where it's like the chemistry is equally matched. And I don't know if that's just yeah. like Priscilla, like Priscilla Presley being like a good interview guest, or if there was just like a little, like just a spark. It felt like there was a spark. I
3: but I think she was really like, obviously, Leslie Nielsen is hilarious. And I feel like that's very widely acknowledged, but she's pretty funny too. uh you know good good timing well executed so just like a feminist revisionism
5: my favorite moment actually came from oj simpson in this movie uh two and a half well whenever they go um you sure know a lot about boxing frank i know always to bet on black and oj's just like "Mm
4: -hmm." (laughs) (laughs) that whole whole routine is, is really funny where they're just listing off states and he's like, you sure do know a lot about boxing.
3: <laughs> I think my favorite joke in all three of the movies is well, it's not like a joke in itself, but Enrico Palazzo <laughs> I I, uh, I introduced Andy as Enrico Palazzo. Okay, I think um, I like won a beer trivia or bar trivia like back in college because I knew Enrico Palazzo. And so I felt pretty good about that.
4: and it's just really funny. There's a so when when Leslie Nielsen passed away, I'm trying to find it. Um, ESPN put out, um, here, I'll put it on screen. Uh, ESPN's tribute to Leslie Nielsen, like their obituary, was remembering the great the legendary Enrico Palazzo. and they wrote <laughs> they wrote a um, <laughs> they wrote a, a, a um, obituary for him as if they were doing it for that character. That's funny.
1: yeah that's a good bit i don't
4: know it was it was pretty amazing Um, (laughs) i didn't know about
3: that that's very funny
4: yeah so i was i was looking up i I don't know i because i thought like maybe that was a joke that like there really was an italian opera singer named enrico plots or something like i was trying to see that and then like the first thing that came up is uh (laughs) was that and (laughs) there there was a piano at the time was pretty big yeah
5: Paul Verratti was a big thing at the time. It was really weird. Yeah. Like, uh, everyone's was like three great answer. Was that at the Three Tenors? Pardon? Um, I don't know. Y'all are too young. Um, like, like, There's this hot moment where all the boomers were like digging uh, opera, and, and there was the yeah. Three Tenors, which was like the super group of, of uh, um, opera singers. And it was like um, Paul Verratti and like Two other Italian guys, I don't remember Mario and Luigi. I can't remember. And, uh-huh. and um, they they put out like this album, and it was everywhere. And they would advertise it on TV, like you know, order three tenors, you'll get the two discs, two two, two CDs or two records or cassette for nineteen ninety five. And <laughs> um, it was it was like everywhere uh, for for a little bit. And uh, I think Saturday Night Live was making jokes, and and you know, it was like a, 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 there might have been a, even a Living Color joke uh, about it, but. Uh, like, for some reason in the late 80s, early 90s, there was this this, this moment of opera. Hmm. And like they they would be, like, these big TV specials where, like, Pavarotti is going to sing duets with the biggest rock stars. And so you can actually find Pavarotti singing Perfect Day with Lou Reed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's just,
3: yeah. And you go quite a bit in that trio, for sure.
4: <clears throat> well, who else are you really going to get to do it than Lou Reed, you know? Like...
5: Well, I mean, you know, so so yeah, it's like Blue Reed to be singing the verse is a perfect day, you know? And then all of a sudden Paul Roderick's coming, it is a perfect day.
4: <laughs>
3: Sounds
1: <laughs> like you're I, in that
5: third
3: tenor. <laughs>
4: <laughs> We're gonna have another opera moment and it's gonna be J <laughs> Andrew World sings the the opera <laughs> hits. Um no, but I like that this this article commits to the bit enough that it says um Palazzo sub- subsequently proposed to his girlfriend Jane, who instead of shooting him said yes. <laughs> Um, Arab-Israeli peace talks resumed shortly thereafter. <laughs> That's great. Yeah,
3: yeah, because I have like in the stands when everyone's making up, it's like uh, an Israeli and an Arab man embrace, and then like a mailman and a dog hug. Yeah, classic enemies. I forget who the third. I'm sure there was a third pair because of the rule of threes
5: in comedy, but I don't remember who the third one was.
4: Yeah, I know. There's yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't remember either. But there's.
5: I think There's it started definitely. off with of like two, the the players from the opposing team. Yeah.
4: Okay. Yeah,
1: yeah.
3: yeah. Um, it's definitely a very joke dense trilogy. I, everything, like, kind of like silly puns and visual jokes.
4: I uh I really like I really like in the second one where they find um they're like oh well we found this dinosaur footprint located at the spot and then underneath it they have like the Egyptian hieroglyphs then underneath it they have uh, Noah's Ark. They have like a piece of Noah's Ark. And then yeah. he, he makes that joke and he's like <laughs> the the scientist guy that they go to every time, like he's like, and I'm going on uh Geraldo next weekend or something. Mm-hmm. And he's like, really to talk about Noah's Ark? And he's like, No, my wife is a transvestite, uh something something like
3: worshipper.
1: Worship
3: <laughs> I know it does like there are so many gratuitous trans jokes in I mean these movies yeah. and everything else from the nineties. It was just like Ugh.
5: in the eighties, you know. Yeah. Um, Uh, Because remember uh, Forrest Tapeheads had had that. uh, It's this great movie, except for one trans joke. That's just, you know,
4: I see. But I I read that that specific Geraldo joke less as being a trans joke as it is being a like Geraldo actually bringing like like, you know, what I mean, like a daytime TV, like Geraldo actually bringing people that are Mm -hmm. like trans onto those shows to like say, oh, my wife is a something, something, something. You know, like yeah, that, that yes, all the, time. Got
5: the, the uh, neo-Nazis and Ku Klux Klan getting in a fight with like, um, yeah, us, I forget who and a chair broke his nose, uh, which is very famous, which is why in UHF they were m- making fun of that. Um, and, and the uh, classic Weird Al film is, um, you know, everybody loves Weird Al folks. Weird um,
4: Al
3: folks. <laughs>
5: Weird Al folks. Weird uh, Al is
3: in all three Naked Gun movies.
5: Yeah. Yes. Did you know that Weird Al used to take his uh, used to take dates to the first one? Yeah, and- I,
3: I saw that uh, when I googled the movie too, and I got
4: excited.
5: Yeah, but the thing is, I was like, like when I first heard that, I'm just like dates, and I'm just like playa dates.
4: <laughs> yeah, though <no, laughs> Weird Al Weird Al has uh, asexual vibes that so I don't really want to think about him taking dates to anything. <laughs>
5: but he's taking dates to to uh to the movie and pretending he wasn't in it. That's
4: something. I I mean it's also a pretty good joke when um the third one where they're like, Oh, Weird Al and Vanna White get out of the that joke that joke isn't gonna isn't gonna age like once once nobody knows who either of those celebrities are, that joke definitely isn't gonna, you know, age age it's gonna age out, but like it is pretty funny to think of Weird Al and Vanna White like as a as a as a couple getting out of a car at the Oscars. I don't know. Were
3: they
4: (laughs) dating at the time? No, I think it it, it just Listing Weird Al is like, you know, because it's like she was like a, a hot, hot star at yeah. the time and, and it was Weird Al. So they wanted they to like,
3: a, like for the third one, I think they put out an all call and just like booked whatever somewhat famous people wanted to be in the movie.
5: So like, is Mr. T in the third one? Because I haven't watched it yet. So I don't you know, think so. There's
3: like Pia Zadora, who's, who was, I think, kind of a, a bigger thing then. She was on Broadway and then did a few movies. Uh, Phil Donahue, Raquel Welch, Vanna what? White, Weird Al Yankovic—you know—they they round out the Oscars scene with like a few people.
5: Okay, well, but you, you know, definitely get the
3: impression that they like just booked whoever was available.
5: Since we're yeah. talking about data jokes, we might as well bring up uh, Zsa Zsa Gabor, who was in the second one. Yeah, yeah, uh, which, yeah, which hitting the great. police
3: car thing.
4: Um, yeah, every which time just, I go out. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
5: Um, I, I sent Forrest a clip. Um, I don't know if he has uh, if he, he wanted to play it or not, but uh, a while um, he...
4: I can I can try to, I can try, yeah, it was in chat.
5: But but the thing is, is like, like she actually um was pulled over and she she gave the uh <laughs> the officer a hard time and he grabbed her by the arm and she slapped him. And uh, then she did the talk show circuit, so she's like on Donahue and, and she is like, it, like, like basically daytime talk shows were like twitter you know you go on twitter to watch like just crazy people go at each other and and uh so so you know there she is and you know this woman's asking her a question and in, in, in the clip and she's just like oh you're you're a very beautiful woman you're a very beautiful woman and then she asks the question and then Shaja gabor just like looks at her and is like you are also very stupid <laughs> it's just like oh my god this is amazing like, like because it's just it's jaja at her like you know peak um and then she uh describes what happened in the in the clip um which again like if forrest can't find it that's fine uh, i can sit here and do jaja impersonations if you want do, you, do
4: you have do you can you pull it up I, uh, um, i'll see if i can find it my Facebook um is taking forever to load chat. okay
5: hang on
4: you can talk now i'll be reading no it's, it's <laughs> no that is that is a, i didn't i didn't know about that story until you sent me that clip so yeah, I, I
5: sent you a few things about it just because I, I knew you wouldn't uh you wouldn't know about it because that was uh 1990 when that happened so it was uh between the two na- uh naked gun movies
3: i knew that yeah. she slapped a cop just because i watched the naked gun movies a million times when i was a kid and like asked Goodness. my parents what that was uh so i feel like naked gun is like how i learned about a lot of cultural things
4: okay i mean that's that that's that's that's, that's pretty. That's a pretty good way to learn about a lot of cultural things. There's so much <laughs> in it. I feel like. See, is Everything... also how I
3: learned what a Pap smear was.
4: <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't. Yeah. It, wasn't
5: from, it wasn't from Madonna and uh, uh, slackers.
4: Oh yeah. Uh, that's, no, the, no, 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 no. that's the second uh, Pap smear reference we've been able to make in in a week. <laughs> or, yeah, we should, we should we should have a, Do a
5: whole run. Yeah, we're just gonna do nothing about pap smear jokes.
4: And um, in, in in the movie Slackers, which is Richard Linklater's first film, um, the the girl from uh, Butthole Surfers that was like one of the, the the people in that band um comes up and is like trying to sell them a Madonna pap smear, and she has like this little she has like a little um a vial with Madonna's supposed pubic hair in it. So we were talking to Matthew, film guy, <laughs> and <laughs> about that scene, and I had that scene as like the the background um two episodes ago. <laughs> Another, yeah. another, another interesting uh, fact, I guess, is that the first Naked Gun movie that we were talking about with Anders, the mm-hmm. next, like, they had the platoon, like, they were, they were, they were, when they walked out and they were laughing at the movie, it's a platoon, and the yeah. platoon was the next episode that I did after that, or, like, okay. and, then, and then Naked Gun 2 has the psycho um, when she's in the shower, and, and the guy's yeah. waiting for her, and it's, a sh- and it's a psycho reference, and then next week's episode is Psycho that we're doing which oh, nice. uh, I, didn't, okay. I didn't plan it out that way, but like.
5: So yeah, I can't wait to see what we're going to watch after OJ Simpson comes on and we do part three. <laughs> the, platoon, the platoon reference
3: where they're like laughing and that's like the something tells me I'm into something good music video. Yeah. In the first one when they're falling in love and they're all like, they're they're also, you know, at one point like running through the wave and they knock another couple over because they're holding hands. It's like a really funny the clothesline, it. it's great. Yeah, always, there are a few funny I, videos in that I always
4: really liked uh, when they're when they're putting the the hot dog and like they're putting the ketchup and mustard on the hot dog. Mm-hmm. They spray the they spray each other and they spray the hot dog guy and they're all like, because that's like every montage, every comedy montage they do that shit. Yeah. You want to pull up the Jaja Gabor or are you? Oh, I you? sent it to you in chat. Okay.
5: So we can all have a link to it, <laughs> except for the audience. Sorry, guys. Sorry, Kenzo. So, so sorry, Jean uh, uh, and, whoever, uh, and Joe. 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 Jay Hutch. Jay Hutch. Oh, sorry, man. Man, Jay Hutch is one of, our, you know, one of our best commenters who's not commenting except for once. Come on, Jay Hutch, step it up. <laughs> sorry, I'm just going to harass our, our audience. <laughs> while we have an awkward silence here. My apologies for kind of bring finger- Is Zsa-Za
3: Gabor dead? What's her situation
5: now? Yeah, yeah. Uh both Gabor sisters are dead. Gotcha. Uh but jaja was also uh just fun fact, she was uh um the uh ambassador to uh Turkey uh, uh before she became <laughs> a, a celebrity, like when she was sixteen. So um you can't be an ambassador when you're sixteen. I don't know, it was it was hungry, so who knows, you know. Like I think they still had like you know still worried about Dracula's running around or something.
4: I I like I like the question of being like is she dead? What's her deal? What's. <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess because I think Ava
3: was like way older than her. Like there was a pretty significant age difference between them.
5: Was there? I
3: I, I think I mean Ava was Ava Gabor was in um, Green Acres and I was on yes. in like the
4: fifties or something. Green but, but Acres is the 60s. place. To be.
5: Yeah, no, they, they were um I, I don't I mean I legit don't really remember everything about the Gabor's. They were like on daytime television and it was a big deal when she slapped the cop. Um and so like I, I've only kind of just recently like like uh yeah, you know, I've forgotten most of it until like I'm watching the movie going, Oh yeah, slaps a cop. I gotta remember this.
4: <laughs> I don't care if she was hungry why did the Turks do genocide? <laughs> 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 oh everybody watch class time the kenzo shibata show yeah he's a, he's a he's a leftist celebrity all right let's watch let's watch this video tell that to that stinker
6: Yes. I am so glad you won't be no, on Larry King. Ke- oh, thank you. But you know, I'm so glad you won't be on Larry King anymore because you're getting all this publicity and we don't care to hear about you. Okay, I'm, we need to say this. You're right. No, you're believe right. Believe you're very good. I
0: think you're having the time of your life watching this. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're loving this show. You know and now of, you're on name. television walking all over Zsa face. Now,
6: well, no come one one on. Has. You know, see, she's giving see, us blondes yeah. yeah. a bad name. You're making us Blons all look like You're giving blondes a bad name. got so another You're so beautiful to be so goddamn you are you are too beautiful you'll yeah. never make it my dear if you are that jealous i know women like you yes yeah. uh, yeah. my mother would why like why don't you come here and shoot me you stupid <laughs> you still won't get a man <laughs>
1: i may be a wee bit. it's about time to for a few hymns here How i'll, I'll
0: give you a chance here. i do You're have so to beautiful. break here
6: don't be so stupid I have never been jealous of a beautiful woman in my life. You are a young. you calling up. me stupid? You are And you very can't stupid. even spell the w word? What does she say? <laughs> Sweetie, I didn't hear you. I don't want to talk to your kind of a woman. I really don't. Then we'll you be are back. You're very dumb. I... In
0: just a moment. Are you there? I'm glad you waited, caller. Go ahead. Hello? Yeah, go ahead. Yes, um,
2: I don't think that celebrities should get any preferential treatment. I just like to know how come Zha didn't go along with the police officers' program and then
6: press charges later. Did Why didn't you
0: just accommodate what the police officer wanted you to but do? But like-
6: nearly killed me. What I call- I'm a cadame. <laughs> I don't right. know. I, I will I will go to jail. I will pay my dues. But the policeman should be. If you ask my honest opinion, because I was an ambassador at the age of fifteen in Turkey, which is rougher than America, and I want to tell you one thing: if a man roughs up ten women and men. Just because they have foreign cars, they should be looked into it. You see, there is such a thing as a black cup and a white cup. Uh, listen, Beverly's cups. they usually stop me and say, Zsa are you married now? Can I marry you? I love them. This one cup has a very big problem. He's too good looking, that son of a gun. Let me,
0: sh- uh, let me show the picture. Show him the picture, Brian. Well, it's
6: better looking than here.
0: Yeah, this is not the best the no, shot, that's but soul, it's always available to us. He's yeah, very he's very smart. nice looking uh, young man with uh, mustache and all. Yes.
1: you're first off, you're a national treasure. But my question to you is, uh, Hungary has uh, given up socialism and leaning toward capitalism. What what do you have to say about it? it?
6: We became democratic now. We were communism since I was born, which was a disaster. They killed my grandmother. They killed my only uncle, who is, by the way, the father-in-law of Congressman Thomas Lantos, who's on television all the time. We Hungarians come from the Tartar race. We are not like an Anglo-Saxon. We have to fight because we are that little. Just like you guys said, a small country has to fight for their right. We don't give up so easy. You can only be shot once and you die anyhow. So what the hell can happen to me? So a policeman shoots me. So they say she was still beautiful when she died.
5: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's Josh Agabor, folks.
4: A policeman shoots me, they say she's still beautiful when she died. That's it's yeah, dark.
3: Yeah, you're not gonna sit here and fault her for slapping a cop.
4: Yeah, no,
5: no
3: I, don't know. I, I just
5: love to, you know, he's a handsome young man without mustache. <laughs> <laughs> just everything yeah, about that is hilarious. <laughs> I like,
4: I like how everybody in her story gets judged by like whether they're beautiful or like you know what i mean like good looking or whatever like what would have happened
5: if to, like, a geek to me like this
4: <laughs> like what happens if an ugly like a uh, person she finds ugly like you know what i mean like is that like a is that like some horror crime or something you're jealous you're jealous <laughs> of me <laughs> yeah i mean kind of a, a weird genre of celebrity
3: i guess we have much wider array of weird genres of celebrity but it is kind of hard to like reach for a cultural reference for jaja gabor
4: yeah i mean i don't know definitely like like an a very anti-communist celebrity which is a a thing i feel like that's not not necessarily dying out but like dying out in in that specific genre of like (laughs) as as uh as kenzo threw in there like a hungarian gusano (laughs) yeah I mean I don't know did her family come over like after 56 or I guess I don't know the specifics that's
3: I guess you know not to put you on the spot
4: yeah let me me... there's a
3: yeah basically like a an uprising in 56 in Hungary and the Soviets invaded and squelched it
4: she emigrated in uh, 1941
5: okay okay so she probably missed the war so
4: I'm trying to see when like why she why she's famous. (laughs) No, why she why why her family came or why she came over. I never could figure out
5: why she was famous when I was a kid. Um that's for sure. Uh but like I'm glad she was, because she was entertaining. Yeah, she was like like, a
4: tabloid. It seems like just making movies was the reason she came over. Yeah, Mm -hmm.
5: she she but she was like uh when I was a kid, she was in all the the tabloids and and um, Yeah uh like but she wasn't doing anything other than like slapping cops getting in tabloids marrying people divorcing them um you know if her name rhymed better she might have been in more hip hop songs like uh um uh elizabeth taylor was cuz you know like, like young mc said i got more rhymes than water seen by a sailor more rhymes than husbands of elizabeth taylor <laughs> you know i don't remember any hip hop lines about jaja Zsa Zsa Gabor.
4: prove me wrong you're, chat you appeared <laughs> He appeared on the late night show where she told David Letterman about her blind date with Henry Kissinger, which was arranged by Richard Nixon. That's no. Yeah. Kissinger was trending
5: today. Is it because he died? No. no. I I think line is, line. Is,
3: some like department head at Yale was fired for not teaching foreign policy the way that Henry Kissinger would. Oh, is that which it? Dead guilty as charged, and then she left. I think the donors are trying to push her out. I didn't read the article. I gathered that from a few
5: tweets. Okay. Yeah. I went um, through the tweets and just said, everybody's like, well, he's not dead. I don't care.
4: And I'm like, okay,
5: well, he's not dead, so I don't care.
4: Well, his brother died. <laughs> his brother died recently. I remember they were like, oh, well, can't the other Kissinger get get taken? Because there was like a bunch of articles about how his brother passed away. I think his older brother, like earlier this year everyone being like oh you can't take the other kissinger too at the same time like
5: how old was his older brother like like 105
4: i, I yeah. mean maybe it's just in their blood that you know the, the Kissingers don't die the way everybody else does
5: man baby blood must really make you live a long time
4: <laughs> it um we were talking about we were talking about uh during the platoon episode um like the Cambod- the cambodian border being used as like a a um in multiple movies including i mean platoon and apocalypse now like when, when they're talking about, um, like, the Vietnam War going too far, obviously, like, the metaphor they use a lot of time is, like, the Cambodian border. So, um, and then they say uh, in Platoon, they're like, oh, well, you can't kill Barnes. Like, only Barnes can kill Barnes. You can't kill Kissinger. Only Kissinger can kill Kiss- Kissinger.
5: <laughs> but if Kissinger's dead, how can he kill his brother? Wait.
4: <laughs> <laughs> With a stake. He, he took the wooden stake and he finally went, there can only be one vampire. Ah. <laughs> uh. Um, All right. So speaking of, I guess, late night, I had this clip that I wanted to play of uh, Leslie Nielsen's fart machine. I guess he came on to all these late night talk shows with this. He had this thing that he keeps in his pocket that like he would it would randomly like that was his his big um, his big comedy bit that he would pull by himself. So I felt like this was a, a, a funny, I guess, last clip to play before I go to final final thoughts. All right.
3: Now, uh, no, I, I'm a...
1: <laughs> is you Sometimes. Mm-hmm. Okay.
4: I'm a very angry, <laughs> angry
3: guy. Uh, no, actually, I'm a, I am a big fan of those pictures, uh, because uh, I, I love the way you play it so straight. I,
4: I love the way, I guess the director told you, it's, the, it's, it's the not next, a comedy, it's, act as though this is deadly
0: serious.
1: The, the director, you, the thing is that we know that we're being funny, but you can't let the audience know for one second that you're trying to be funny, not for one second. I, although I will do almost anything I can for a laugh, <laughs> I said almost. <laughs> Didn't say I would do anything for a laugh. What have you got there? <laughs> Isn't that a little personal? <laughs> you like to see see it? <laughs> uh. That's what I have. There it is, right there. What the hell are you doing? What is well, the, uh, what is the, you, hold it, let's heard, show this. You heard the rude noises that it makes. Yes, it's I, I did. nothing but fun. I got that from a man <laughs> in Oklahoma City, Jack Martin, who's a senior golf pro, and one night he said, Leslie, I'm going to give you a symptom to change your life. <laughs> I did too. I've had nothing but laughs. So do you, you don't carry this around <laughs> everywhere. I do not travel anywhere alone. That goes with me all over. It's You're a ways. grown man.
3: <laughs> what Don't are you doing? Don't
1: be sure of that. <laughs> <laughs>
3: no, really? You bring this thing wherever you go?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. You never can tell. It always comes in handy. And you never can tell when there's a, a certain amount of pomposity or somebody who's making you play a particular role. And you, if you just shake hands with somebody, it's how, how do you do? <laughs> Very nice to meet you. <laughs> really Tremendous grip. <laughs> It's a defense. You know? I'm working so hard,
5: so hard to establish
1: my credibility. And in three seconds. This establishes credibility. Now have you, now you, you say you take this everywhere and I've actually heard that you do. I didn't really think
3: you'd take it out here tonight. I, I was praying, <laughs> but, uh, but you take this wherever you go. Have, have you taken it anywhere where you now think it may have been inappropriate?
1: Well, you're always taking a chance, I'll tell you. <laughs> And there are Where's kinds, the most serious you place you? Can, you took know, in? when you're doing any kind of comedy, there's, there's no way that there's not going to come that time when you step over the line. But that's because of the chance you take. And there's just going to be sometimes, especially with this, where you seem to step over the line. And in that case, you know, I say, look, I, I'm really playing I've Got a Secret. I know I'm doing like a kind of a practical joke. Uh-huh. So I'll apologize or I'll show the people. Sometimes it doesn't work, but then you have to just rely on your insensitivity. I have a seminar. <laughs> <laughs> insensitivity if you like and i can yes i would you.
4: i would like to yeah. sign up for that
1: for the insensitivity course yes I a would. downside you know what's that? sometimes you can be feeling good and not know it
3: i feel like he, he probably wanted to do something funny but his whole deal is playing it straight so he had to do, come up with something goofy.
4: well so there's even you can watch like 50 different interviews where he pulls that out like it, there's an insane amount of interviews that he does on on different talk shows and pulls it out. And then all of a sudden, like the conversation just plummets. And it's honestly a pretty funny bit, but yeah, I think you're right. And it's really funny to watch um, like towards airplane and like the first naked gun, like he seems like a lot more serious. And then as time goes on, he like wants to fill the role of being like a comedic actor because he never got a serious role after taking airplane. Like,
5: Kinda, I mean, uh, you know, "Men with Brooms," which I brought up last time, was was kind of serious, but also with a lot of fart jokes and poop jokes. Uh, but yeah, like, but I'm like, saying, like, but I'm saying, like, he never it was, got. It was like, a dramedy. Like, yeah, like let's well, be honest, like, yeah. it was a dramedy, and and he he made me laugh and made me cry in the same movie. Like, like you know, so you know, pour one out for him.
4: Well, no, because he's but like I I watched um some of Forbidden Forbidden Planet that was like his last like that was his big claim to fame before the naked gun and that was his big claim to fame before airplane like and like it's a serious like there's no fart jokes or anything like that you know what i mean like it's just a mm-hmm. sci-fi movie at that point and then like the roles kind of dried up for a little while it's a similar thing with the uh, sunset boulevard like you know <laughs> what i mean like the roles seem to dry up he only got really television roles and not very many at the time and then all of a sudden he kind of got brought back as like uh yeah, a...
5: Shatner had the same thing happen to him uh a couple of times over his career.
4: Yeah, well Shatner's not a very good person so <laughs> No, no, but but also uh
5: on the flip side though like like there's a difference between Shatner in the 90s and Shatner like uh after he put out his uh his big solo album with uh with Ben Foltz, like you know. Um he's, he and he was on Boston Legal, he kind of created a new version of himself that was uh a minor hit for a little while before you know he got a twitter and we really got to find out what kind of a shit he
4: is <laughs> yeah those shatner's shatner's twitter is is awful
5: sometimes sometimes he's actually on the right side of things like like people will be like you know uh talking about autism and he's like hey i'm no expert on autism but i don't think you're doing that right i'm just like wait shatner hey good for him man <laughs> landing on the right side for once
4: well, it, his whole thing is that he was the first uh, person to do an interracial kiss on TV. So, whenever mm-hmm. people start questioning his credentials. Except he wasn't. <laughs> well, he claims to be. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, Star Trek. No, that, the that's the claimed. It
5: was uh, Chris uh, uh, Lloyd, uh, Lloyd Bridges in 1959.
4: Uh, well, so he claims to be the first person to do an interracial kiss on TV. And the fact that that's the case, like, whenever anyone questions his credentials, he goes into full alt right mode. And he's like, listen, you don't, you don't do civil rights. Like I did civil rights. I did more for civil rights than anybody. And that's kind of, I think that's William Shatner's downfall.
5: Yeah. He's very (laughs) Trumpian.
4: Yeah. But, but like,
5: that was part of his character uh, in Boston legal. I mean, if you ever watched that, um, what was he, he was this right wing crazy person and it was kind of charming uh, because like um, he would always get smacked down by everybody else, but never quite realized he was getting smacked down. And it was, it was, uh this weird like uh you know bush era drama um that that uh, ended where where they actually the last episode um they gay married james spader and william shatner and had uh, uh alito do the uh, uh the ceremony
4: interesting
5: <laughs> i mean it, it was such a weird artifact of a tv show i'm um but they got married uh, they got gay married because of um uh but mostly because of legal reasons um uh so so uh because Shatner was like the whole thing is like is he on mental decline or not um and uh so so uh James Spader would become basically executor of a state uh his his estate uh, you know if if he was on a mental decline um so they never actually answered the question if he had mad cow or not
4: let's uh let's say (laughs) do you remember when remember when Adam Sandler put out um I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry like this. That sounds like a serious version of that movie.
5: Yeah, that was around the same time.
4: <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Well, so going to, going to, oh, final before,
5: before we wrap up, I yeah. do have one question yeah. for Natalie. Um, yeah. uh, for said, this was your favorite of the naked gun movies. And, and I just was curious why that was, you know, I had to put you on a spot a little bit of there, but you know, cause it's such a um, movie.
3: the second one. So it, it always was my favorite when I was a kid. Um, re-watching them, I do think the first one is the best of the three. Um, but the second is like better than it should be, I think. Like usually like goofy, you know, follow-ups to a silly comedy, I think don't have a great track record. And yeah, you know, the second and even yeah, the third, like 100%. is the worst of the three, but has some decent jokes. I think when I was a kid, my very favorite, one of my favorite jokes in the whole thing was when he's in the blues bar and asks the piano player to play our song and he starts singing ding dong the witch is dead. I <laughs> loved Casablanca when I was a kid so I like appreciated the reference. Uh yeah, I think you know rewatching it, it the first one is the best for sure. And I think I think Airplane is probably better than any of them.
4: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. In retrospect well, Airplane, Airplane kind of relies on Casablanca type jokes too, I think. I mean, you know when they're doing like the the bar scene and that and Mm-hmm. Um, like the World where II, like those jokes come really fast, but like, so I think it's, it is, it's interesting that they go back to that kind of, um, like, jokes about Casablanca in this one
3: Yeah, they're obviously like movie fans making a ton of references left and right uh, but yeah, I, I don't stand behind my the second one is the best uh, but it was still pretty funny and oh, yeah. it's the I know about the hell
4: Whistler's mother Yeah, that's, that's a good, that's a See my, my my thing about it is that I think that when jokes start to when the jokes start to recede a little bit and like more convoluted plot elements and I said this last week too like more convoluted plot elements kind of take hold. That's when it they start not being as good. And I think that you start to see that a little bit in two and two and a half, but then you really see that in three and a, like three and thirty three yeah. and a third. Yeah, well, um, I think
5: I think two and a half the you know has the strength of uh, I think the narration is a little bit better in two and a half, like that part where when he first mm-hmm. sees uh, Priscilla Presley's character and and he's just like and her body could melt cheese from across the room, yeah. And her breasts were like they Just uh, look up at you and say, "Hey, look at me." She reminded yeah. me of my mother, <laughs> and then you know George <laughs> Kennedy's like, "Why are you looking at her like your mother?"
4: Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's. This is amazing. This is ama- I also I like they, they repeat it in the trailer, but um I also like when they go into the sex shop and she's like, yes. "Is this a bust?" and they're and they're like they're like, "Oh well, yeah, very good." Yeah. <laughs> I I think that I think that is also at its best when they're completely oblivious to like the humor of it, and mm-hmm. I I don't know rewatching two and a half last night I realized like. Leslie Nielsen's face is like way more expressive in, in, in this one. Like his eyes are like completely bugged out of his head when he sees Priscilla Presley at the beginning of this one. So I found that interesting. Cause I never really like, I don't know. It's a, I feel like he kind of comes into his own.
5: The first one was more of a noir, like a satire. And this one's more of like a dirty Harry police kind of thing, but it's more procedural. Yeah. Um, and uh, we didn't even talk about the uh, animals escaping from the zoo, which I just love, like like random establishing shots. You just see like there's a giraffe running in front of the, the building. Yeah, um, you know, just like how uh, um, the the, the uh, congresswoman from D.C. released all those zebras into Maryland.
4: Yeah. Um, you want me to pull oh. that up? If you want to, do you want to resend that to me? The, the... oh
5: shoot, yeah, I got, let me find that. Okay. Yeah, he um, sent me
4: a thing last night where the the congresswoman from D.C. was um, uh, Norton
5: Eleanor North, uh, Holmes Norton
4: was saying, "Oh, I'm not the one that released all those zebras um, out of the zoo just because I don't believe in fences or something."
3: <laughs> I missed
4: this whole thing. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, too. It's, I never... it's just
5: right wing uh, talking point blaming her for it, and she actually had to release a statement. <laughs> um, well, come on, just just yeah, open. Aaron, I can get it. Okay. But yeah, so I I,
4: did, I haven't even, like, talked about the fact that the reason that I've even watched these movies in general, and I talked about it last week, was that when I was a kid, um, we had this, um, like, my grandpa's house was in Maine, and it was on this island, and, like, barely, you know, there wasn't, like, anything to do on the island. Like, you really didn't get cable that well. Like, mm-hmm. so they, the only thing that was really going on on this island is every summer they would have, like, a library sale, and my grandpa still had... Um, like a, like a VCR, like after he passed away. And so we went and we, we would buy VHS tapes and I, I fought all three naked guns, like not knowing what they were, just being like, this looks funny. Because I remember I'd seen Leslie Nielsen in uh scary movie three as a kid. Oh, okay. And so I was like, Oh, it's the guy that I saw in scary movie three. This looks funny. And I bought all three of them. And then my brother and I watched them like religiously because we really didn't have that much stuff to watch. we would be in Maine for the entire summer and only really, you know, the only, like, entertainment we really have, like, because the internet was still dial-up there, like, long after, you know, like, not dial-up internet existed, like, Mm -hmm. so it ended up just being, like, (laughs) there was nothing to do except that.
3: Yeah, I definitely rented the VHSs a million times from, like, Blockbuster or Hollywood video in our town, and... You know, spent way more than a VHS just costs to own outright.
5: <laughs> well, well uh, I still remember when VHSs cost like a um, hundred dollars in the eighties, which was ridiculous, which is why you know you had the rental stores. Um, but but uh, most of my memories of rentals come from uh, Kaz Video in Casanova in New York at college, a- and we would get you know such classic films like Gunmen and uh, uh, one time we actually found uh, Seven Samurai there, which was a lot of fun.
4: Hmm. I like the I like the Norton denies responsibility for setting zebras free supports freedom generally.
1: Yes. <laughs> Time. Yeah.
2: Time later.
5: But, yeah. No. She she she's like I, I defend statehood and oppose fences where they're not necessary. But I was at home with my family and they can <laughs> they can back me up. <laughs> I have an alibi. Yeah.
4: Uh, No, this is, um, historically, Norton has, has, yeah, Um, historically, uh, Norton has valued the principle of consent in the governed, most notably in the fight for saving for the district. More recently, Norton has also been known to oppose unnecessary (laughs) fences. But yeah, all right. So final thoughts, I guess, from um, everybody on this, on on the Naked Gun series in general, or this movie, um, starting with Natalie okay um
3: i feel like i i had a lot of a lot of thoughts already um i think the blues scene is probably the best scene in the movie still my instincts about that as a child work correct <laughs> um yeah ding dong the witch is dead best best joke in there i think yeah my favorite thing enrico palazzo just makes me laugh a lot still from the first movie uh overall largely Hold up, but like I said, I think when I was younger, I thought naked gun was way better than airplane, and I think that is not accurate anymore. So, getting older is about admitting that we're wrong.
4: And also, I think going on going on um, going to to uh, on a, a lot of airlines kind of makes it, you know what I mean? Like going on planes enough to like realize how funny airplane is, or like being at airports yeah. enough to realize how funny that airplane is. Um, Andy
5: uh you know um i, I um uh, i'm just gonna speak on the second one or, or the second half one uh second and a half yeah yeah because this is this is this is a movie and no um it's it, um uh I, I i i uh don't remember it being as good as it was i'll be totally honest with you i know that it isn't as good as the first one i remember it not being as good as the first one but this one still is is quite a fun movie um uh, it, it really, you know, for the most part, you know, outside of a few weak jokes here and there and the fact that it's it's um, it's missing something without the noir like like, uh, you know, and I don't think it firmly established what genre it was mocking. Um, yeah, if it's an action movie, because there were like bits of action movies, if it's a, a spy movie, if it's a um, whatever, like, like it never really settled on what it was trying to be, uh, whereas the first one was so clearly a noir film uh send up so so um and i, and I think that kind of hurt the uh the overall thing they were just trying to you know but uh it is a lot of fun to watch um you know don't sleep on this one if you haven't seen it before and uh sorry i ruined everything for you and uh um uh just one like last little side thing um i was driv- driving me crazy because two of the actors who had small parts the uh, the hitman uh, that he blows up with a, with a uh, hose, and one of the uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, execs were like driving me nuts. And they were both in the same episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. <laughs> and I'm like, that's where I knew them from. <laughs> so, yeah, strange that they were both in the same episode. Uh, one yeah. was playing uh, a Romulan, and the other one was playing a uh, 21st century uh, astronaut who got lost in space and ended up in the neutral zone.
4: All right, so thanks for both being on. Um, I need to announce quickly before we end this that this is the last movie night extravaganza episode, and we're moving on to murder night extravaganza for the mm-hmm. month of October. We're just going to be doing slasher films, so that should be a very a very fun thing that we're planning out. We're probably going to have to meet to discuss, uh, you know, specifics. But I'm excited about that. We're starting with Psycho on Tuesday with. The great Conan Neutron returning. So, thank you both for doing this. Um, I I had fun rewatching these. So, like, you know. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm just going to say Left is best.
0: (laughs) Oh, <laughs>
2: oh,